And, you know, they have kind of a broad knowledge base or the more they read, the more they study, the more they learn about anything almost allows you, even sometimes on a subconscious level, I believe, to draw conclusions or connect the dots between things. Once they see the problem, suddenly a solution pops into their head that they don't know, they may not even know where that came from or how they arrived at that solution. But I think it's just the, all the information. That they Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Dave Oldham, a successful tech entrepreneur and currently president at Big Leap. Do you call yourselves a creative agency, an advertising agency, or what, what do you describe yourselves? Digital marketing agency. Okay. So I want to talk more about kind of taking some of the philosophies from Nuvi and, you know, you guys had your big exit there and you talked about this idea of like being first and that you were different, that people hadn't, hadn't done what you're doing with all the social media monitoring back when that was first coming up. And it's a theme that I hear over and over from like the most successful entrepreneurs that get an interview is like not being better than the competition, but being different in some valuable way made them like so much money. It's like, Peter Thiel's book, you know, Zero to One or mm-hmm. Blue Ocean Strategy, any of these, you know, Differentiator Die, Jack Trout, all these ones that are like, like, it's like Warren Buffett's durable competitive advantage of like, yeah, we're the only one. <laughs> like, we went off on this way, the rest of the industry didn't go, and it was something people wanted, and <laughs> we raked in the cash. Can you Can you talk about this? Maybe. I don't know if I can talk about it intelligently because to me, especially at least as it relates to being first, it just seems like total luck because you don't know that you're, you don't know if being first is the pioneer with the arrows in their back, you know, that story, or if it's like the perfect time to be first, because there's hundreds of stories about people who were too early, right? Had a fantastic idea but we're way ahead of the market. Market wasn't ready to adopt it. And so just being first doesn't always translate to success. And conversely, and I think I believe this very much in the case of Big Leap, we're one of a thousand digital marketing agencies. But why I think we have the chance to be tremendously successful, obviously has nothing to do about being first in a particular area, but just doing things slightly differently. And and I'll circle back to that. But yeah, the, the first thing, you, yeah, you, the timing of that is so crazy and I think almost always attributed to luck. And I kind of get bugged by entrepreneurs who, who don't acknowledge the luck factor, especially with timing, because I think a lot of people, you know, in retrospect say, oh, I was so smart and that was so brilliant of me. But a lot of times I think, at least in my case with Nuvi, it was very, very lucky. And we didn't realize that it was probably perfect timing for what we were doing. I mean, we hoped, right? But we didn't know until we had been doing that, like, oh, the, the timing of that was perfect. And we were first. And 
to, to bring that to something actionable, I think, I think why that ended up being successful was it wasn't, Nuvi didn't come about because any one person sat in a room and thought up some idea. It really originated from customers. And I mentioned Gatorade, like they were one of the key elements having a very specific need and wanting to accomplish something and looking around and saying, I don't see any solutions for this in the way that we want to address it. And they approached us and I'll say, you know, a group of individuals pre Nuvi, like just people that with the desire to have a custom software product written just for them which through multiple conversations evolved into like, hey, this should be a company, this should be a software platform that everyone can use. But that that was a very successful thing because there was a customer who had a need, had a budget, had you know demand for it that kind of pulled us in a particular direction rather than us hatching up some idea and saying like, hey, let's go see if anyone likes our idea. It is interesting, right? Because... It's, it's not 100% reactionary and it's not like you guys weren't like in the farming business and all of a sudden Gatorade called and said, have you guys thought about starting a company in this yeah. industry? <laughs> right? Yeah, no, we were building tech and we were building yeah. similar tech, you know, so we were at least a credible Nearby. source of information. Maybe yeah. So it's not 100% reactionary, but it's not 100% in a vacuum either. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about like, <clears throat> you know, there is this element of being visionary and thinking up the stuff before the client wants it and you know by by knowing your market so well right and then that really goes sideways when we think we know the market better than we actually do yeah and we're not actually checking in and getting feedback and i think for myself some of my biggest mistakes have been not looking for disconfirming evidence as clayton christensen would call it from harvard right yeah like when i'm when i've made my decision and then all i'm looking for is ammo to prove i was right instead of like still genuinely asking questions, like instead of trying to appear like I'm asking questions or I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. I, I think my success as an entrepreneur has been directly correlated with my ability to ask the right questions and good questions to go to your point, not asking questions that are just going to confirm my own biases. Also not asking questions about what do you want? And and this goes to the famous Steve Jobs slash, you know, quoting Henry Ford thing, you know, of if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have just said a faster horse, right? So the idea is we didn't do what Gatorade wanted, Mm. but we, we listened and asked enough questions that we understood really well what they were trying to accomplish. But what we ended up building and what we ended up doing was actually quite a bit different than what their original requests were. And that's why we're also, it was way more successful as a software platform and company that was trying to solve the broader markets needs rather than being a custom project for Gatorade. If we were to build exactly what Gatorade wanted, and this is no discredit to them, they're brilliant people and they they had a really good idea about what they were trying to accomplish. We would have only ended up with something that worked for Gatorade and not for the broader market. But as we went through that discovery process and understanding their challenges and the problems they were dealing with and how those problems impacted their business, 
then we were able to come up with a solution and we came back to them and said, we're going to do it differently, but we're going to accomplish what you're trying to do. And they were smart enough and cool enough that they sort of supported that philosophically and that helped us get going. So when I talk to entrepreneurs now, you know, we talk about Steve Blank was a professor of mine, you know, godfather of kind of the lean, you know, movement. And And can I just say, I think maybe tied with Richard Koch, Richard Koch for my favorite guest I've had on the show so far. Yeah. He like, I'd read his stuff for years, but having him on was like, you're a whole talking, other level. You're talking to like the prophet. You climbed the mountain and you're talking to the prophet. You know what it was? Was figuring out he, I knew his principles, but I did not know how deeply he lived them. Yeah. And it was like, I was, I was hoping for this like, okay, once I talk to him, he's going to tell me the real secret behind the door. He's never told anyone else. <laughs> that didn't happen. The real secret was like customer discovery calls. Like, hey, don't just pitch people. Ask what there is really going on in their life. All this kind of stuff, yeah. right? And I'm thinking, yeah, I did that. In fact, I was doing that on you last year with our real estate fund, the the previous version, right? And he's like, no, like, really ask. And I make my students do 100. I was like, oh, I didn't do 100. He's like, but for myself, and you know, like, his eighth startup, he sells for 8 billion. So I'm listening up when he says, but for myself, I would do between 200 and 300 if it was my company. I'm like, oh, you mean calling my half dozen buddies and having them all say it sounds good was not... (laughs) <laughs> was yeah. not the level, right? Calling 15 people and like getting good feedback is yeah. not enough to base a whole company on. Yeah. And he he really, he he took some time after the show. We had a private call and he said, Jess, I think you've got something. And I think that you need to kind of set your agenda aside and just go ask more and yeah. make discoveries. And it was within four weeks we had scrapped the whole business and, and done our restart. So anyways, pers- very personally impactful. Yeah. No, I can't say enough <laughs> good things. And very fortunate to have, you know, such an influential person as a professor, right? And learn kind of directly from from the originator of the whole lean startup movement. And Eric Reese kind of talks about Steve in, in similar respectful tones. It's it success in any kind of innovation, whether it's a startup or an existing business creating a new product or modifying their product, is very highly correlated, in my opinion, to your ability to set aside your own biases and really ask insightful questions and then be able to see the patterns, even if they're in direct contrast and conflict with your biases and your opinions and your beliefs and what your dreams were for your product or whatever. And then there, there is a little bit of luck and a little bit of magic. Steve Jobs might've been one of the greatest at that in being able to see, you know, well beyond what the customers were experiencing and say, this is where I think things are going. Not all of us are that visionary or prescient. And I certainly don't, you know, put myself anywhere near that class. But what I think I was good at and continue to strive to be good at is really asking questions that don't confirm the bias, that don't lead them to a particular conclusion, but really try to get the heart at where their pains are, what's causing them concerns or frustrations or expenses or time, you know, however you want to look at that and then coming up with innovative solutions to overcome that. And they very rarely, some, some customers can say, here's how I think we should solve that problem. And they're brilliant suggestions, but more often than not, they, they don't have the suggestions. So just having them tell you like, here's what I want you got to get past that and say, well, why do you want that? Help me understand what the core need is. And then we'll see if we can come up with a solution that 
maybe you hadn't thought of, but will solve your problem and hopefully a lot of other people like you, their problem as well. So I think the question this brings up for me is any guidance that you have for the rest of us who, because to me it, it feels like a little bit of two sides of the same coin of like, like the humility to really set aside my own ideas and my own, how proud I am of myself for my ideas to genuinely listen without an agenda. And then you said like, I didn't build what Gatorade asked for. Like the, the self-confidence on the other side to go, this isn't what they asked for, but it's what they should have asked for. Yeah. And like, do you know, in some ways those are, those are in opposition to each other, but I can see how they work together. Any, any thoughts about navigating that? No, that's a fascinating, and it, it does kind of draw back to, you know, where we started with that combination of humility, but also, you know, confidence. And, and honestly, to me, humility is confidence. I think people confuse self-deprecation or doubt, like that's not humility, but arrogance is also not confidence. So between arrogance and, you know, self-deprecation or, you know, lack of confidence, there's this, there's this place where you still are open to feedback, suggestions, open to learning, open to exploring, but confident in your ability to take what you've learned and do something interesting with it. And in entrepreneurship, I get worried sometimes. And I actually, when I've taught students or spoken at places, especially with younger people, I try to help them understand that there's a difference between the arrogant rock star who just got lucky. And there are some of those. So we, we misattribute, I think, success to like the people who that, yeah, they said, screw you. They didn't listen to the customer. They didn't listen to anyone. They just, I, bought, yeah. I bought Bitcoin at yeah so i'm a genius you know and you're like no that's just like the guy in vegas who just put it all in black and it hit you know there there isn't a pattern there they were just there are some lucky entrepreneurs who didn't listen to anyone and didn't listen to anything and they just got lucky but i don't think you can pattern that and good for them but the majority if you're talking about is there a takeaway is there a message i think comes back to really being able to put aside your own beliefs, your own biases, your own opinions, and just be a, a Sherlock Holmes, for lack of a better thing, of discovery, of really, really trying to get to the heart of a particular need or problem. And then I think that what made Sherlock so fantastic was that he was just a learner in life in general. And I think entrepreneurs who expose themselves to different technology, different things, even in arts. And, you know, they have kind of a broad knowledge base or the more they read, the more they study, the more they learn about anything almost allows you even sometimes on a subconscious level, I believe to draw conclusions or connect the dots between things. Once they see the problem suddenly a solution pops into their head that they don't they may not even know where that came from or how they arrived at that solution but i think it's just the all the information that they've put into their knowledge base gives them this ability to kind of draw conclusions and connect dots and see patterns where other people might so i try to get entrepreneurs to not be so myopically focused on a particular topic or a particular interest level I think broad exposure to lots of different philosophies and technologies and like I said, even like arts and music and stuff 
and, and maybe that's part of Steve Jobs genius too, was that he was just a student of life and explored everything was open to lots of different inputs that gave him this really interesting base of information that when he saw an opportunity or heard a problem, he was able to draw on all those things and draw connections between those things and then come up with like really interesting solutions. You know, it's, it's not just entrepreneurship. That principle holds true in other realms. You know, like I think it's pretty much a requirement that I bring up Warren Buffett and special ops on every episode, okay. <laughs> but Warren Buffett's partner, Charlie Munger, he calls it having a mental lattice work. And like both he and Warren are like very widely read, and especially he's interested in all these diverse subjects. And he feels like it helps him make better decisions because he's able to see connections that others don't who, like you said, have studied myopically. Yeah. Like, you know, it was very interesting to me to meet guys at the highest, like the classified levels of special ops, like the Michael Jordans of that world. And find out they're into like woodworking and like herbology. Like like my one guy, Tom Bigley, we've had him on the show. He was over, he was on the team that went in right after Black Hawk Down. Okay. And he also won contracts from the army to identify all of the plants on Fort Lewis in Washington State. And like like these guys have like these wild curiosity, like very diverse skill sets. It's not just like what you would expect them to like because of the movies. Yeah. And it's I think it's part of the reason that like those guys, my joke is that like they could, they could fly out of the airplane, their parachute goes off, but they lose everything else. And all they've got left is a big pin and they're still going to accomplish their mission. Yeah. Part of it's mental toughness, but part of it's just like intense creativity, but like it has to do with exposure to a lot of things. Like it's interesting how curiosity and creativity are so valued in that world, even though you would think it's like the army, do what you're told this kind of stuff. And, yeah. and uh, anyways, it's surprising to, to learn that over the years. Yeah. My dad, I would consider him a very successful entrepreneur, but I, you know, hardly anyone knows his name because he's very keeps to himself quiet. And that's part of, like I said earlier, something that I've wanted to emulate, but I asked him, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, why, what he thought made him successful. And he said two things, I'm willing to work harder than most people. And I read a ton. So he was a, you know, a student of lots of different things and just an, a lifelong learner. And I think that's critical to any type of entrepreneurial success like we've been talking about. And, and yeah, he was just willing to, you know, work harder than his competitors or anybody else. I love it. Uh, I think it's a great place for us to end. Appreciate all the time. And we should do this again. I would love it. Okay. Thanks, thanks everybody for, for listening. <laughs> thanks. Bye folks.